Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Encyclopedia Womanica. Our woman of the day was a silent movie star, Broadway legend, director, and producer. The lavish parties she threw at her Hollywood estate would have given Jay Gatsby a run for his money. Let's talk about the fabulous Ala Nazimova. Ala Nazimova was born Miriam Idez Adelaida Levitin on June 4, 1879, in Yalta, Crimea, which was then part of Tsarist Russia. Ala's home life was disrupted at an early age when her parents divorced. She spent the next several years bouncing between family members and in and out of boarding schools. At seven, she began learning the violin. She later enrolled in the Philharmonic School in Moscow, but pivoted her artistic pursuits after she discovered acting. At the age of 17, Ala joined the Stanislavsky Moscow Art Theatre Company. It was there that she developed her stage name, Ala Nazimova. In 1899, Ala married fellow actor Seryoza Golovin. Soon after they married, Ala started up an affair with another star of Moscow's theater scene, Pavel Orlenev. Ala and Pavel started their own theater company and were soon touring around Europe to much acclaim. Riding off the success, Ala and Pavel made the leap to the United States. In 1905, Ala debuted on Broadway in a reprisal of The Chosen People. The following year, in 1906, Ala struck out on her own and signed a contract with famed Broadway producer Lee Schubert. She starred in a production of Henrik Ibsen's Hedda Gabler. Ala is hailed as one of the best actresses to have ever performed the titular role. Ala spent the next few years starring in iconic Ibsen and Chekhov plays on Broadway. Her big leap to film came in 1916, when she starred in the silent film War Brides. From there, her career in silent films took off. Her performance as a prostitute in the 1918 film Revelation, along with her portrayal of a suicidal woman in Toys of Fate that same year, made her a Hollywood darling. Alla signed a contract with Metro Pictures, where she earned $13,000 a week. In today's dollars, that would be nearly $230,000 a week. And Alla did more than just star in her films. She also started her own production company, Nazimova Productions. At a time when women were often kept out of such leadership roles, Alla wrote, directed, and produced much of her own work but she had to do so sneakily. Many of her screenplays were written under the name Peter M. Winters. The films she directed were using the name Charles Bryant. In actuality, Charles Bryant was a British actor who Alla often referred to as her husband, although technically Alla was still married to her first husband, who she'd left back in Russia. Much like her first marriage, this union proved to be a bit of a sham. While the two kept up pretenses for many years, Charles eventually married someone else, and Allah's true sexuality was revealed. This revelation developed in tandem with Allah's reputation for being very generous to up-and-coming actresses. The control she had over her films allowed her to feature young women she felt were talented. This also proved fruitful for Allah's dating life. She struck up romantic affairs with many actresses, including 
Jean Ocker, Anna Mae Wong, and Eva LaGallienne. Ala eventually found a long-term partner in actress Gleska Marshall. Together, the two created a lasting part of Ala's legacy, the Garden of Ala. The Garden of Ala was a three-acre property on the corner of Crescent Heights and Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. The garden was a safe space for Ala, Glaska, and their lesbian community. It was also the site of lavish parties for the Hollywood elite. In 1927, Ala converted the gardens into a resort. It included 25 bungalows and lush foliage surrounding a pool shaped like the Black Sea. The opening party for the resort raged on for 18 hours and included stars like Marlena Dietrich, John Barrymore, and Jack Dempsey. Other A-list celebrities of the time, like Ginger Rogers, Greta Garbo, and F. Scott Fitzgerald, also spent time at the Garden of Allah. Tallulah Bankhead, who we featured earlier this month, could often be found skinny-dipping in the pool. Allah's rise to the top eventually hit a snag. After a series of flops, her production company was forced to close. The production that put her over the edge was an adaptation of Oscar Wilde's Salome. This extremely expensive film was opulent, full of over-the-top performances and devoid of plot. Everything about the film flew in the face of Hollywood's rigid morality codes. It's said that the entire cast and crew for the film was gay. Her film career derailed, Alla returned to Broadway. She continued to have a successful stage career for many years and did return to film as a co-star in some of the first-ever talkies. But Allah's star power and financial standing had significantly fallen. In 1941, Allah returned to the Garden of Allah and rented Bungalow 24. She remained there until her death a few years later in 1945, when she passed away from coronary thrombosis. She was 66 years old. The film that bankrupted Alla and derailed her career, Salome, was screened in Alla's honor at the final party ever thrown at the Garden of Alla in 1959. Salome is now seen in a new light. In 2000, it was hailed as an experimental tour de force and added to the National Film Registry. Alla received her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1960. month, we're celebrating Pride. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow. Before you go, I want to tell you about another show I think you might like. By the 1990s, Toronto's gay community already had its coming out. The rash of violent, unsolved killings of the 1970s and 1980s were fading from the headlines. But for transgender women who knew what it meant to be over-policed yet underprotected, a history of violence was repeating itself. Sex workers, in particular, found themselves vulnerable and ignored. The Village, from CBC Podcasts, returns to explore the stories of two women— Alora Wells and Cassandra Doe, whose deaths remain unexplained and unsolved. 
Listen to The Village wherever you get your podcasts.